Hi and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement. People who are committed to and are showcasing planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Christoph de Spiegeler. Christoph is a serial entrepreneur who is the co-founder and chairman of the Three Fold Foundation, where he's building the next generation of IT infrastructure, leveraging the power of the blockchain. And so with these words, welcome to the show, Christoph. Hey, thank you very much for inviting me here. I'm excited because you are building, you know, blockchain infrastructure, IT infrastructure. We're talking about the new internet, maybe even 5G and, and better alternatives. Um, a topic where, you know, I'm very curious, but I'm definitely not the expert. So maybe let's start, let's start at the beginning. Like, how can we, how can we create a framework for this topic of like the new internet or a different kind of IT infrastructure where people own their own data, as far as I understand, instead of giving their data to the big, big corporations. <laughs> Maybe I should start with a little intro why we got this idea and why we're doing this now. So my name is Christoph. Um, actually, I'm a, I call myself an earth engineer since I'm 10. I'm sort of the guy uh, trying to code and do things and invent new stuff. And um, actually, after a while, I, I was lucky because I was there when the internet was born. And the internet was a very free place, right? It was the place where people just connected cables and literally it was all very exciting. You could communicate, you could look at websites. In the beginning, it was all very small, but it became huge as we all know. But in the meantime, we lost something. If today we look at the internet, it's no longer this free place. It became really big. It's a place where actually we kind of became a cyborg. Today, thanks to our phone and all the IT applications we have, we are basically day-to-day -day on our phone and it almost makes us like a cyborg. Now, this is not my quote, it comes from Elon Musk. But there is one thing sad about it, which is that we are not the owner of that cyborg part. Today, there are actually less than 20 companies in the world that own more than 80% of the capacity of the internet. And that's really crazy. It shouldn't be like that. It used to be very different where actually there should be an internet which we all own an internet which we all grow, which we all own, where our data is ours, where we're all free, where we can communicate with each other. But today, this is not possible. And that's a little bit our dream and where we're coming from. So since more than 10 years now, um, like I said, I'm this engineer and we, we made some companies around technology. Basically, we had this dream and vision. How can we build an internet which has these properties? And that's where we are today. So we're sort of ready to uh, bring all of that good stuff together and build a new internet. And of course, I can talk much more about it, but that's why we exist basically, providing a new internet where we're all free, uh, we can all own our own data and where everyone is equal. That's sort of in a nutshell what we are trying to do. Yeah, beautiful. I, I like that you bring it back to the origins of the internet for, you know, uh, I remember I was only like 10 or something at the time when it became like a, a mass phenomena and it, it felt like a free place where information was suddenly available much different than before. But this 80-20 effect of like, you know, 20% owning more than 80% is it's kind of taken over that place as well. So yeah, tell us a bit more about the Threefold Foundation and um, what you're really creating there and how people can start, you know, connecting with it in their own, in their own lives. Right. 
yeah, probably I should explain, I guess, a little bit what it does and how it works and what we are doing. Um, so, like I said, um, we're trying to build this peer-to-peer -peer internet. But what is the internet, right? The internet, most people think about the cables, the connectivity. But actually, that's not the important part of the internet. The internet is really where is your data? Where are your applications? And today, you are using more than maybe 80 or 50 applications on a daily basis. And for each of these applications, you exist as a person somewhere on the internet. You are basically a customer, or maybe you can call yourself a product of one company somewhere. And we are getting a lot of things for free, so-called for free, but actually being for free somewhere as a customer from one of these big companies makes us a product, right? That's sort of the basis. Now, when we were thinking about how to redo this, we said, okay, how can we do this? We don't want to be a new kind of big company because then we would be no better than the existing uh, internet. So we need something which is fully decentralized, but decentralized, what first people then think about is blockchain, of course, right? They say, okay, but blockchain, isn't that all about decentralization? Well, yes and no. F fortunately for us, the blockchain was a is a very important step, uh, but it's not as decentralized as people might think. Actually, most of the blockchain projects today are centralized. They host their blockchain nodes on things like AWS or in Microsoft Azure or something like that. So blockchain technology by itself is not very well suited to build a new internet. It would be too slow, too power hungry. It's a good technology to achieve certain things like consensus, how to establish uh, an exchange of uh, value. So these are good things. So what did we do then? So we, we basically took some distance and we said, okay, how can we build a new internet? And what is the biggest source of inspiration for us at least? It's nature. Nature at the end evolved over millions of years into something beautiful and it's working rather well. And how do you see things like in our own body? We have trillions of cells and all of these cells work together. They communicate to each other. Each cell is rather independent actually. And they have a standardized way how to communicate, how to grow and all together, they create an organism. They create maybe an organ and then the organs are part of a body. So we modeled the internet the same way. So how does it work? Basically, everyone who wants to extend the internet can buy a hardware box. Any piece of hardware can do a computer. You just plug that computer into the existing internet. And as such, you will become what we call a farmer. So what is a farmer? It's to make the analogy with Bitcoin as an example. There they call people mining. So they call them miners. So people who extend the network are called a miner. In our case, we don't want to be like a blockchain, so we call them farmers. We find it more friendly. So basically, all these people together put boxes, they just connect them to the internet, and as such, they help on growing this internet. But it's a very different system than blockchain. It's much more like these cells. All of these boxes, they form like uh, the capacity, the network of capacity. So everyone who plugs in a box makes the network bigger. So all these farmers together. And actually, today, we have more than we have more than 10 times more capacity than all the blockchain projects together while no one today knows about us which was also a little bit by design actually because we want to do before we start talking it's actually one of the first times we talk about this project then the second part and i go back to sort of having more questions but the second part is we have the boxes which is the capacity and then on top of the capacity we have something called your digital twin so basically we make everyone free by 
making their cyborg free. So basically, instead of having your identity and your applications and your data with one of these big companies, it will be put somewhere on this neutral internet and you get a digital avatar. We call it the digital, digital twin. And this digital twin represents you, it's only you, and you are the only person having access to it. And all these digital twins are now living together on this network of capacity, just like the cells live in our body. And that way we get a new ecosystem of capacity, the boxes, the cells, the digital twins on top, who can all communicate to each other, who can all exchange information. And actually there is not one single point of centralization in there. So that's in a nutshell, I hope it was kind of clear, but that's in a nutshell what we're trying to do. Yeah, it, 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 is, it is very clear to create this digital twin, you know, that today already exists, but it's definitely owned. And then it exists multiple times with all these companies that, you know, generate cash flow with the data that your digital twin creates. So does that mean basically that you are owning your own digital twin, but then all of these digital twins are cyborgs, as you call them, they're interacting with each other and have basically the, the capacity to create or generate appreciation or value or, or even currency for the person who's owning the, the data? Um, well, the only person who owns data is yourself. Mm -hmm. And actually, if you want to sort of do something with your data, everyone is free to even have a commercial transaction about that. But by nature, it's a little bit different. Your digital twin lives there as an independent, think about it like a digital creature. It's really like a little human being, but then digital, and it represents you, right? And you are the only one owning that. And you basically pay for the resource the digital twin is using, right? Because if you don't want to be a product, you cannot have this for free. But it's very cost effective, actually. It's like a dollar a month or something. So it's very cost effective. And this digital twin can basically replace eventually everything you do on your phone today. Because today it's rather cumbersome, right? As an example, if you want to send a message to each other, it's WhatsApp or Telegram or SMS. And let's just do an example. We want to play squash together. It probably takes me an hour to arrange a squash event with five of my friends because I have to remember which application to use. It's WhatsApp or Telegram, or maybe I have to call them. I have to find a place to squash, and then there are different agendas. And basically I'm juggling 10 plus applications to just do something as simple as playing squash. Now imagine we all have this digital twin, right? And you just talk to your digital twin and you say, look, I wanna play squash. Now the digital twin knows, of course it's my digital twin. So it knows my habits, it knows my friends, it knows how to contact my friends, and all of that will now happen seemingly all very transparent, but not in a way that that information is used by uh, a big company somewhere in America or in China. Because in our case, the digital twin is only ours. So if I talk to my digital twin, I'm guaranteed the only person talking to my digital twin. I will, as an example, never talk directly to your digital twin. I only talk to my digital twin, and then my digital twin will talk to you. And that's how the system works. So that eventually there will be many millions, hopefully billions of these digital twins. They all directly talk to each other and all the owners only talk with their digital twin. And that makes it much more safe and also much faster because today it's rather crazy, right? If anything I do, like this crush thing we were talking about, everything is going to centralized servers somewhere. And that's insane. And every system is different. And every system has to repeat everything in the internet again, identity management and storage and databases and indexing and security. And 
Right. Everything is redone and redone and redone. A massive, it's crazy. A massive amount of energy being used as well, right? Uh, yes, it's, it's, it's crazy. 10% world electricity today, they say, which is really insane. And the internet needs to grow three, four times. So imagine that, right? So this is, this is too crazy. And then everybody knows in the Swash example, if you were to write this via one of those apps you just mentioned, two days later, or even faster, you, you would have uh, ads in your stream about uh, the next squash shoe or the next squash racket that, that you want to maybe purchase or not. Um, very interesting. So in order to understand this, this picture even bigger, I, I'd love to understand some of the challenges that you, you faced and you and the team faced to get to this point and um, kind of create, um, you know, this quote-unquote new internet. And then from those challenges you, you face, like what are the next steps? Because as you said, you haven't really publicly talked about it quite a, a lot yet because you wanted to do the doing first before you roll out into, into the public. Yeah. Um, yeah, two questions at once. <laughs> um, yeah, well, a couple of years ago, we, we had a choice, right? Like many people, it was like, okay, would we do like a blockchain project? And they called us an ICO. So would we sort of go out like so many people did? Often I still think that maybe I should have, then we could have fundraised more money and it would have been easier. But we, we decided not to do that. So we did not do what they call an initial coin offering. Uh, we did not go into the ecosystem of blockchain. We stayed away from all of that. But that brings us back to the first challenge which is we are completely self-funded by friends and family. And uh, yeah, um, over the last years, actually, a lot of money went into the project, but it was all coming from people who believe in what we do and who want to be part of it. And that is great. And I'm very happy it happened like that. But it's also very challenging because from early days, you have to manage a lot of people who have vested interest into such a project while you're not even active and alive yet. So today, the biggest challenge is still, yes, uh, we're constantly fundraising, right? It's a constant fundraising to go to the next step and so on. So look, there are many challenges. One is fundraising, um, but so far it works. And more than $40 million has been spent into this project already. So it, that, that's a lot of money. Not, of course, all directly in our company, but these were like farmers buying hardware. That's actually the majority. Um, it's, it's of course people investing in our technology company. It's people, uh, yeah, just contributing and, um, helping the foundation. So it's all amazing that it goes there. So there, of course, we also have a technical challenges, um, today building something of this scale is really, really difficult. Um, imagine you have to do this with existing it systems. IT systems are very complicated. It's many, many layers you need IT experts to do it for you, basically. So how can we roll this out if you as a person who wants to become a farmer would have to be an IT expert? It wouldn't work because that way you would never get to a certain reach. So we had to overcome some really big technical problems. And one of them is to put it, and again, going back to Tesla, but basically what Tesla calls a self-driving car, right? In a way, that's what we had to do with our solution as well. We had to make it full self-driving, but also self-healing. And this is a huge, difficult thing to do. This is not AI. Often people think about AI if you think about intelligence. Well, actually, I think AI is not intelligent at all, but that's another topic. 
Um, but making the system in such a way that people don't have to be an expert and it can drive itself, right? And it can self-heal and it can self-recover. That was a very big challenge. We are not 100% there yet, but we're very close. So in a month, and actually a little bit of an announcement for your podcast here, because we didn't mention this anywhere yet, but the 29th of April, we are going to go live with our second generation um, solution. So we Sorry. call it a grid. Um, so it's a little, how do you call that? Um, yeah, a little bit of news, let's say. So uh, the 29th, we're going to launch not one project, actually. There are a bunch of companies together, and we call ourselves Planet First Alliance. Just we gave it a name. Because what we realized is that this world needs people to basically think about the planet first, right? And that's what we are doing. The solution we are creating is not just another piece of technology to make another startup. It's something which we believe the world really needs. And that's why we are doing this. But we're not alone. By doing this, uh, this quest, we met wonderful people who want to bring, have their own projects. Projects like, um, yes, some of them you know, like a Tambank or uh, the Digital Twin by itself, of course, but even water projects or virtual reality projects. It's like a friend is working on a, a virtual reality museum where he will have more than a million pieces online in a full peer-to-peer virtual reality museum. So the 29th, we're going to announce many of these projects and we're going to launch the next generation of our, uh, of, our, yeah, of our project and of the grid. So that will be a really big one. Powerful. I'm, I'm excited that it's, it's starting to lift off in, in, in steps very soon. Listen, in my mind, you know, I'm a, definitely like a tech user and from, you know, older generations perspective, maybe savvy enough to create some basic steps in the tech world. But from a programmer or, or, or coder or like enthusiast perspective, I'm an, I'm an absolute amateur when it comes to the technology infrastructure. And so one of the questions I ask myself often is the, you know, the integration into people's everyday, into people's normality of these new projects. And then also the competing projects that are wanting to create a similar uh, step of freedom or a similar onboarding into a new infrastructure. Because as you mentioned, like those those uh, 20% or less uh, that, that own 80% or more of the internet right now, those are pretty big players at this point, right? Like if we think of Amazon, Microsoft, um, et cetera, Apple, of course, how do you reckon this transition might happen or could happen? Or what are some key indicators for people to say, I'm ready to join this new infrastructure and and possibly even leave behind the old infrastructure? Like, what needs to happen or how do you foresee that kind of right, right. going? Yeah. Uh, yes. Um, well, first of all, we are not trying to be rebels because I don't think that's what the planet needs right now. What the planet needs is collaboration, is people joining hands. And even in moments like now, which are maybe a little bit challenging, but then on the other hand, it's a new start for many, for many people. And many people start rethinking their beliefs and where they're coming from. So actually for a project like ours, this is not all that bad news. Maybe it's not nice to say it like that, but uh, at least it brings change and the world needs change. 
So what we're trying to do is, uh, instead of sort of saying that we're against everything, right? We're against, no, no, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, why don't we go to countries? And actually we're talking to two countries already. Well, we go to a country and we say, look, dear country, because many people mean, and most people mean well, actually. And we get so paranoid because of all the news and everything happening. But I'm a humanist. I believe that most people are born as beautiful people, if not all, probably all. And somewhere in life, we became afraid and we became maybe too much ego. And this is just in a way sort of like brainwashing happening in, while we were growing up. But by nature, people mean well. And that's what we want to work with. So in countries, there are beautiful people. They want their country to be, to be well. So by going to countries, we can offer them another future. Because today, there is something really, really crazy. And allow me a couple of minutes to explain that. Yeah, but do you, do you know that the internet today is very vulnerable? And I'm not saying this to make people scared, but let's compare it to electricity. If I would tell you that if, let's say we are in, I'm, I'm in Europe, right? Let's say in America, some nuclear plant goes down. In Belgium, I wouldn't notice it, right? It's kind of very logical. We would say, yeah, electricity, if something happens in a plant far away, we don't have the impact. But do you know that today on the internet, that's not the case? Even the internet, some cables get cut. While 99.9% .9 of the things you do on the internet are with people around you. It's your city, it's your country, it's all in your own country. Yet still, if you would cut some cables between your country and the internet, the internet would stop functioning. It would simply not be there anymore because everything is so intertwined and so centralized because everything you use is like 30, 40, 50 different things and they all go to centralized service and they even need each other, like DNS and mail and all of these things. So if you would cut some cables, there is no more internet. There is no more video, there is no more nothing. And this is crazy, actually, if you think about it, right? So we are in countries and we cannot leave our home. The internet becomes a really important thing for us, but yet still, it can just go down just like that and there's nothing we can do about it because, and that's silly. Why, do, why does this internet needs to go down? If I want to send a message between my friend around the corner, why would it have to go to America first? That, that doesn't make any sense, right? So the nature of the internet fundamentally needs to change. It needs, that's why we don't call this peer-to-peer, -peer, but we call, uh, sorry, we don't call this decentralized, we call this peer-to-peer. Because peer-to-peer -peer is much more decentralized. It's like, if I want to send a message to you, there is no reason to send it elsewhere. It can go from me to my Treebot, Treebot is our digital twin, and then from my digital twin to yours, directly, without anyone in the middle. This would result in much more reliability, in more performance, less energy use, much more security, because the Treebots, the digital twins can, can check each other. So now back to the question about um, the countries and how we can do this. Now, countries today have a big problem. And especially in Europe, but I'm sure in many other countries as well, um, there is a real big thing where they say, okay, how can we get our sovereignty back in our country? How can we make sure that our citizens have their identity here and that the citizens have their data in the country and that they're using the network in the country? But frankly, there is no technology today available who can make that happen. And sort of just copying a Facebook or a Google or an Amazon in your country is not a solution. 
you need to do it in another way. So that's why, um, and actually we didn't even try much, but yet still we got two countries we were talking with who said, okay, can't you sort of give this in our country? And we say, yeah, why not? You know, we, we don't charge for this. We just go to the country and say, okay, what do you want to have, right? So you want to have everything needed to build your own network, your own uh, clouds, let's say, your own digital twins, anything, your own identity for all your users. You want a lot of apps, alternative apps, which would make you free again, actually, in your country. So we're not rebels. We go to these countries, to big companies and so on, to help them and say, why can't we together do something which helps you as a country and it helps your citizens. Because if we don't, and again, this is not to scare people, but we are going to lose our internet if we're not going to do something. Today, there are really serious things happening. Countries are implementing firewalls. Some countries are thinking about making um, uh, encryption illegal. Uh, lots of legislation is coming there. So actually if we're not careful the internet will no longer be there and it will be all separate islands somewhere maybe connected but this is not the way to go and countries have to resort to hacking but isn't that crazy our phones our computers it's all hacked everywhere and they use these hacking practices to basically try and protect their citizens but this is insane why can't we trust our country and say you know what country thanks to this new internet in our own country why don't you be transparent just tell us what you want to see and have transparent rules, you know, and you will be part of our peer-to-peer -peer ecosystem. And yes, if there is a judge who has a court order to see something, then why not, right? It's in the real life as well. So personally, I have nothing against having the protection from my country. But instead of having them to resort to hacking, why not make such a system completely transparent? So that's basically where we are. So we're not going against the system. We try to help countries, you try to help, of course, people themselves. And okay, some countries maybe don't want to, or maybe they're scared. Okay, fine, then we just give it to the people themselves. Mm -hmm. So you were asking, how do we get started, right? And I apologize for the long answer, but I had to explain a little bit. Oh, this was great. So, <laughs> basically, the, there are two ways how we will do this. One way is just being an alternative to the existing clouds. And we, we talk the same protocols, the same, basically someone who is using a Google or an Amazon or, or a Microsoft, they can with few efforts migrate their existing IT workloads, that's how we call it, so their applications onto this peer-to-peer -peer network. And this is kind of use case number one. And we have more than as an example, 15 blockchain projects who would like to move onto our infrastructure. And if they do so, it's not ours, right? This infrastructure is nothing to do with our company. We're just a facilitator to make this happen. Mm -hmm. It's fully decentralized peer-to-peer. -peer. We're not having uh, anything uh, on those nodes. We have no access to data. We cannot access anything. No, it's fully, fully decentralized, right? So that's the first thing. People can say, yes, today it's running somewhere, as an example, in Google. I'm paying a certain amount. If I mo would move this to this peer-to-peer -peer network, it would become more secure, faster, more energy efficient, and it would also become more cost effective. So there are many good reasons for people to do so. And this is like the first use case. It's very easy. We, we talk the existing protocols, not going to bother you with the details, but like Docker, Kubernetes, these kind of things. And then there is the other side, which is the side of the digital twin. The digital twin will take a little bit more time. Now, this is a talk, so I cannot show you, but actually we already have done a lot. Like we kind of 
did, did it for a country where we can show how we can do an alternative with like office applications and mail and messaging and all of those things, right? But we're going to go slower with uh, the digital twin because there it's really a little bit of a mindset change as well. So rather than using 40 apps or whatever, you will have only one app anymore, which is you. But you will have 40 experiences. So for you as a person, it will kind of look the same maybe, but there's only one app anymore, right? Which is really different. And there we want to go step by step. So we have these um, partners and there are beautiful projects coming, which we want to help. They can then host a project on top of our network and that way we can grow it step by step. That's exciting. Thanks for that elaborate answer. So let me just um, double check if I understand something right there. So in a sense, the two use cases that are really like um, the first steps are possibly the early adopters that understand the internet is in some kind of danger of becoming too centralized and who want to make that step early to say, I, I'm going to be part of that decentralized play that still allows me to interact with everyone else, but ultimately moves the internet into a peer-to-peer -peer experience that is more cost-effective, decentralized, uh, you own your own data, and ultimately also uses less energy. Yes. And then the second um, example you're, you're mentioning is something really curious, Christoph, because it shows up in this podcast across different uh, sectors, not just the internet or technology, but it, it has to do with trust, I believe, and, and what, what's kind of been framed islands of sanity. And so when you say that countries, and I'm, I'm simply assuming maybe in the beginning that would be smaller countries um, that want to establish a new trust, either with the way they, they're um, allowing their citizens to have an identity online or, or create an island of sanity to say, we're a small country, like let's say Estonia or Luxembourg or Liechtenstein or whatever, and we would like to... Um, yeah, be, be pioneers of testing out and, and, and offering this kind of new IT infrastructure. Uh, yes, but well, it's not even necessarily going to be smaller countries. There are, especially in emerging markets, there are a lot of countries who have nothing right now because we didn't touch to that one, right? Why do we say, look, we're doing something for the planet? Um, 50% of the people in the world do not have equal access to education, internet information, all of these things, right? And if you live in like Africa or in one of these places, actually it's completely crazy. One of my motivations was townships in South Africa. I was there like, I don't know, five, six years ago. And you know, these townships, places where a couple of hundred thousand people live together, they have nothing. They have to live with between 25 and 50 dollars per month, right? For a family. You know how much the internet costs there? Mm -hmm. 25 dollars. So of course they, they can't do that. They're not going to spend half of their, uh, of their income to internet. And even then it's very bad internet uh, and they don't have much information, any of these things. So now imagine that we can turn this around, right? And you give these people fast connections, all their data, information, education, education information, um, also a way to get access to digital currencies so they, they basically can start um, yeah, doing like economic activities. Uh, and of course, they can make themselves smarter as well through the internet, right? Because we, we find it also um, easy, but for them, that's not at all the case. We can do this because we made the simulation. We can do this for less than half a dollar a month per person half a dollar. It's 
to me, it sounds like almost a human crime to not give that to these people. It means that, like in a, let's say a township of 200,000 people, um, for only $100,000 a month, you can literally make 200,000 people uh, digitally free. Of course, it's still digital, but yet still allow them to see the world, get education, learn, but even if they are kid programmers or whatever, even make some money for their families. So that's why it's not just the non-emerging parts, but in emerging countries, they have nothing. They today, um, there are no data centers, there is no capacity. Uh, and what happens in many of these countries, they do what they call leapfrog, right? They, they sort of yeah. skip a couple of steps. And this is what we see happening. And they just say, hey, okay, can you sort of deliver that in our country? Um, it will give them, they even don't have to build data centers if they deploy our technology. They don't have to build data centers. They can do it with a lot less investments and it can go much faster. It's better for their country and it makes them much more independent. And that's what many of these countries want. Exciting. I'm, I'm excited for more of that rollout to happen. I have another related but but somewhat also unrelated question and that's you know we said it in the introduction I'd, I'd love to chat a little bit about 5g and i know that you are an expert on also that like uh, frequencies like for example 4g you know maybe you can educate us a little bit about that infrastructure that's being rolled out and if you don't mind uh, going there like also the, the future proof um scenario because you know if, when infrastructure is being rolled out and built as for example, I'm in San Francisco today. We know 5G is, has been installed everywhere over the last 12 months. Um, usually that infrastructure doesn't go away. So like, like give yeah. us your, your point of view there and what, what maybe you know, is, is the healthier solution and also the road forward. Thank you, Julian, for this question, because this is one which is really close to my heart and it should be close to everyone's heart. And actually it's probably even um, something we can talk much more about. 5G is crazy. It is absolutely insane what's happening, okay? Many people say this is not a hotspot, but a dead spot. There will be an amazing amount of people going sick at least, if not dying because of what's happening. The frequencies are super high and they don't, the higher the frequency is, the less far it travels, right? So to the, the sort of thing is that they say in 5G, yeah, we need it because we need more speed, which I think is absolutely not true, but I'll come back to that. So to have more speed, we need uh, more frequency, right? But if you go more frequency, you're basically getting very close to your microwave, which you use to cook food. Now, if you go to high frequencies, it travels not far. And you have to basically radiate a lot of power to still get to some distance. So that's why 5G will need an amazing amount of infrastructure. Maximum 100 meters from each other, there will have to be a base station. Okay, 100 meters, that's like nothing. That's why even on many, five, what they call 5G, it's actually four plus G, it's not all 5G yet. But if we go to full 5G, you know that there are tests where birds just die because they're close, too close to these antennas. Um, it's absolutely insane. People having headaches and stuff like that. There are quite some countries now already saying, no, this is too crazy. Now 5G is crazy, 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 crazy. Now I'm very convinced if that happens, the world will shake us off at one point in time because this, this cannot happen. We're changing the electromagnetic 
um, field actually uh, of the planet. And that's very dangerous and cannot happen. And you can find a lot about it. And it's not just a conspiracy. It's just not, not, not okay. Now, let's take one step back. Do we need 5G? Why do we need it? Actually, we don't need it. Um, there is no one single reason. There are alternative solutions which are much less unhealthy. It's never going to be healthy. Even using the current 4G next to us is not healthy. Don't put it in your, when you sleep next to your bed. So it's for sure not healthy. But it's a lot less unhealthy than what 5G is doing today. And allow me one minute to try and explain it. Um, so in this world, what do you do? You're in a room, right? And you have 100 people they're trying to talk to each other. What happens in that room? It's a lot of noise. What, that's like in a 4G network or a 5G network. You have a lot of base stations there everywhere and they're all fighting to each other to basically be able to transmit information to you. So what happens if you are in a room and we all walk in with 100 people? In the beginning, it's quiet. And what do you feel? It goes, the volume goes up, 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 up. And after a while, we're all shouting to each other. And the harder we shout, the less we can hear, right? This is how 4G, 5G works today. And that's why they have to shout that hard. But there is another solution, a very simple one, actually. Why don't we all whisper? If you whisper, like at night, your voice goes very far. But if we whisper, we have to be more intelligent in saying, okay, who speaks now? Because we, can, we, we cannot speak at the same time. So we need a little bit more intelligence, right? That's one thing. Just whisper. It's good enough. The second thing is, um, they do something today, these antennas broadcast, they send it to everyone, like in a room, we're all together and we're shouting, but we can talk to each other by using our hands and making a small tunnel so that our voice only goes to the person in front of us. So it does not disturb the people around us. Right? So that's another thing you can do. Now they call this my move, but anyhow, if you use these two, it's a little more than that, but anyhow, if you use these two things, you can build something, what we call four plus G which uses the same 4G frequencies, but yet still you would have more than enough bandwidth on your phone. Do you need more than 4K on your phone? I don't think so. It's more than enough, right? So you have more than enough bandwidth on your phone and it would just be much smarter about how to decide who is talking, when can you receive information and how to transmit the information to you so you're not disturbing others. And if we do that, we have a future. But if we don't, Man, I, I can tell for myself, and I'm not joking, this is the honest truth. Um, if, I, if I have a home in a city which deploys 5G, I sell my home and I leave. Because this is really too bad. And this sounds maybe a little bit dramatic, but <laughs> this is how I personally feel about it, right? So in our future solution to round it off is that um, we're working together with a friend of mine and he has, uh, his company is called Cleos. And he's the one who explained me all of this stuff, by the way. And he has that solution we're talking about available and we're and, and we're going to work together where we will put our uh new internet owned by everyone right it's not owned by us again sort of together with this new way of transmitting it because that's another thing if you have capacity close to you there is no reason to basically shout that far everything can be much more intelligent and if you do so you don't need um these these microwaves basically blasting our our mind mm. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for going there and, and, and sharing a bit about the imminent dangers. And also, like, obviously, there are a, a few countries now that said they want to, you know, pause that development and, and make more scientific research first to really understand the dangers and the benefits. And I think we don't need to go all the way to conspiracies, but 
staying informed and having nuanced conversations before things simply get rolled out, I think is a very, very healthy, yeah. healthy way to go. Christoph, I have one more question for you, and that's um, along the line of our entire conversation, but much more about your own sentiment for purpose and Earth vision on this planet. And, and, and you know, I, I shared with you Green Planet, Blue Planet, um, kind of got born with this question of like, what is your dream for the Earth? What is your vision for the Earth if you were to take seven generations into context? And so seven generations is roughly 200 years. Um, mm -hmm. What, what is it that, that's in your heart of hearts or in your visionary uh, mind that, that, you, that you dream of for this planet, for this, this species that we are? Well, Julian, you already answered it. Heart. You give the answer. Um, it's about the heart. Nothing more than that, actually. Um, I remember like a couple of years ago, I was a little bit paranoid, to be honest. Like everything, the more you start reading, the more it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, how, how are we going to get through this, right? And then someone told me something really, really simple. And I said, Christoph, but at the end, it all really doesn't matter because there is always as much positive as negative. It's always in balance. Yin yang. And I say, yeah, very simple truth, right? So we can choose where to look, actually, and focus on those things. Because it's not all that bad as being, is being put in front of us. Now, I believe that I became so much more happy person than like these, these couple of years ago. And the only thing I had to change was actually my purpose, which was basically choosing to see the beautiful part of life in people. And that's through this heart energy, actually. So I believe that the planet is going through some consciousness um, growth, uh, awareness growth. And this is happening fast, much faster than I would ever have even have, have, would have to dare to dream about. And today it's actually beautiful to see how many people connect now to each other and who are sharing all these beautiful things. So I'm actually rather positive. I believe that the only thing, what is my dream? My dream is that more and more people will find peace with themselves and the people around them. Because the moment we can use this heart, which is everyone has it, the world is a better place tomorrow. All of these things would just disappear and we would be, and so many more people would be happy because we don't need so much of that stuff. We don't need 5G. There are so many things we don't need, right? Why do we need that? And we can see it with Corona. The world is more blue again and a lot less pollution and so we can see there's a lot we don't need again so i hope like this is my wish for the future that people can be more happy and because we're more happy it's easier to talk about these things we can help each other rather than competing with each other and together we can build a, a better world a better planet beautiful thank you for sharing that there is definitely more more heart and awakening of the heart uh happening i, I see that as well Christoph, thank you for your time. Um, you. There's, you know, we, there's a few, a few topics we could possibly drill in much deeper and, 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 and keep going for longer, but thank you for this first episode and um, yeah, sharing your insights. Thank you, Julian. Thank you so much. And that's that, another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together, and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. 
So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion. Definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. Let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in, connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.